Hello, listeners, and welcome to the NK News Podcast. My name is Jacko Zwetsuit, and I'm your host. It's Friday morning on March 27, 2020, here in Seoul, and joining me via Skype is my guest today, South Korean documentary filmmaker Yong Kim, or Kim Dog-yong, to talk about his film, Welcome, Yong Kim. Yeah, hello. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. He has a new documentary called Kim Il-sung's Children, which will screen at the Nice Film Festival later this year if it isn't cancelled or postponed due to the coronavirus crisis. Uh, Yong, basically, what is your film about? Please give our listeners a very brief summary. Okay. Uh, this documentary is based on the true story, which the North Korean orphans were sent out to Eastern Europe in 1950s. Uh, as you know, Korean War began on 25th on June in 1950. That was the first time a uh, military conflict of the Cold War. A total 3.6 million casualties occurred throughout the Korean Peninsula. During the war, three years, 100,000 orphans were occurred totally north and south. Five South Korean orphans moved to Europe and the United States through international adoption. But North Korea government chose a very unique method called commissioned education. It was very different in contrast with adoption. It was a new life giving for orphans in foreign countries. Yes, something like that, yes. Okay, so how did you learn about this story the first time? Yes, uh, first of all, I have to say it was just like a cosmopolitan socialism. So it's like a solidarity of socialism. They wanted to help each other to evacuate orphans to save places. I think it's very, it was very good for uh, orphans, but it was uh, just like a propaganda, propaganda action, I think. So it's a long story. It was already 16 years ago, I found one very unique Romanian woman mm -hmm. who has been waiting for her North Korean husband. So I got the information from Park chan The filmmaker? Yes. Old boy. Yes, old boy. A famous South Korea filmmaker, director. Uh, he was my senior alumni in the university. One day, uh, I got a call from him. He said that, he, uh, hey, young, I found a very unique woman in Romania. At the time, he traveled in Romania after uh, old boy. But she, she was waiting for a North Korean husband. So I, I was very surprised because I didn't know the history. And I think probably he thought that I was a proper person to make a documentary about her. Yeah, so at the time, I didn't know about the history. North Korean orphans were resettled in Eastern Europe countries, European countries. So directly, I headed for Romania and met the old woman. Uh, her name was Georgeta Mirichoyo. So your film is, is kind of like two different stories. So one is the story about the orphans and, and mm -hmm. who, who went to Eastern Europe and then came back. And then a, another one is the story of some Eastern European people who married North Korean people and were later separated. So it's two stories which are related and connected to each other. Yeah, very strong relation, I think. Because Georgia Tamir Chayu, the old woman who was waiting for her husband, Yep. Her husband was a director of the school. Ah, yes. So that's the, that, that's the, yeah, uh, the relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do you believe it is important to tell this story about the orphans and the uh, wives who lost their husbands? Because she's a, she was a proof 
for this historical event. So I did interview with her. I got so many things about the, the history at the time. In 1950s, North Korean orphans moved to Eastern European countries. And also she told me the old story about her husband. Yeah, her husband was, uh, as I mentioned, a director of school, of the school. She was a teacher for teaching drawing to the North Korean children. Yeah, she met him there and uh, she fell in love. Uh, so I have to find the historical material for verifying her story. That is very, that was very important for me because I'm a journalist. I have to verify the history because I didn't know the history. So I hired a part-time worker for researching the historical basis. The historical materials are like a, a official document or newspaper. That they were, that those were important for me. So at the time I stayed in Romania nine days, dramatically a researcher called me, hey, I found it at last. So uh, yeah, yeah, so I, I went to the library and the uh, archive. That was the, almost in the end of the day, living for Seoul. Yeah, very dram it was very dramatically. Those were 35 millimeter documentary film. I, I found it, I found it. So uh, shoot, it was suited by Romanian National Film Archive in 1950s. And also it was very important things. I found a telegram from Kim Il-sung to Romanian government. It was uh, like a thanksful message to for taking care of North Korean orphans. So, yeah, so I, I broadcast her uh, story, very unique story, for, uh, through KBS, Korean Broadcasting System, on June 2004. After finished the TV documentary making, I got to know the history was not only uh, Romania. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. North Actually, let's, uh, let, let's talk about the numbers a little bit. So uh, beginning beginning in June 1952 uh, until 1959, so it's a period of seven years, a total of around 5,000 North Korean orphans and their teachers uh, lived in Eastern Europe. And so in Bulgaria, there were 500. In Romania, there were 2,500. In Czechoslovakia, there were 700 of these orphans. In Hungary, 500. And in Poland, one thousand uh, of these orphans yeah, exactly I, your film did not mention east germany were there any north korean orphans in east germany i, I found a document in uh, east germany also uh, for example uh, dresden dresden was one of the places i've heard 200 orphans live there just i've heard that but, uh, but i just focused on the five eastern european countries because they had a similarity for taking care of them so they had a similar program for teaching and uh, a medical system. And in the beginning of 1950s, its countries were trying to help uh, as their capability, like uh, uh, medical support or uh, building factories in North Korea already. Yeah, so that's why my movie uh, deal with them, only five countries. And what about the Soviet Union, China and Mongolia? Did, it, did any orphans go there? I've heard hundreds of orphans lived in Mongolia and China. Yeah. However, we could not find any material in the Soviet Union. It was very weird. Things. Yeah. Yeah. That because is surprising. Soviet, yes, because Soviet Union was in. They had had an initiative. 
Yeah, also it was not common things. If the Soviets did uh, accept any orphans, uh, I'm not sure they accepted orphans. Otherwise, they did only make a plan at this moment. It's an initiative. Yeah, they got in initiative. Anyway, uh, I believe that as the Cold War escalated, the uh, Soviet Union had a key role in this pro project. The Soviets pushed their ideology and uh, system to Eastern Europe. Those were uh, something like a military pressure and uh, economical support in the same time, simultaneously, yeah, oh, yes. I think, yeah. Now, in English, you gave the title um, Kim Il-sung's Children to this movie, uh, but the Korean title is different, isn't it? Yes, well, I got two homes. Korean means... Uh, Right. Yeah, two homes. Yeah. There is a relation to North Korean orphans' life, I think. Their story was kept a secret record. Oh, when I visit the places which the children stayed, the location was very hidden from ordinary people. There was common things in every five countries. The schools and dormitories were located in countryside not ah. in not in downtown yes yeah. that's interesting right so in bulgaria romania czechoslovakia hungary and poland in all of those places the government chose to keep the north korean orphans yes, in, in exactly. rural areas yes exactly hmm. they they didn't want to uh, show up their activities because they got uh, difficulties they got economical difficulties as you know only Six years later, World War II. So they have to deal many things. Example, for their orphans take, taking care of them, something like that. So yeah, they, they, did, they did not want to show up these activities. Mm. How long did it take you to make this film, Kim Il-sung's Children? It took uh, 15 years. 15 years. Wow, that's a long project. Yeah, because at first, 2004, yeah. I found it. I found this historical material so time passed so much wow. so yeah <laughs> and which places did you visit did you go to all of the the schools and the dormitories where they lived yeah almost every uh, every school every uh, dormitories i visited them yeah and you also met some of their local uh, friends and teachers much older now of course was it easy to find such people no 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 <laughs> definitely it was very tough for finding them, as you know, yeah, I have I I have no uh, information and I have no tips to find them where they live. Yeah, so it was very tough. Mm. But finally, I found it. It's like a chain. Yeah, yeah. I ask some I ask somebody uh, where they live, and then he asked another person. <laughs> so yeah. Just like that, yeah. Wow. And what did these people remember about their Korean classmates from almost 70 years ago? Almost every European people that I interview, they had so much remember, remembrance. They yeah. had many memories. Yeah, and also he had a much longing for the children. They want, wanted to meet again. They could remember their names and figures, even their character. Like a smiling yeah. faces, yeah, something like that. So they could also remember Korean word, like uh, for example, Sekia. Do you know Sekia? Oh, Sekia yes. is, is a Korean slang. Yes. 
yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, related to a dog. Yeah, right. having having uh, insult meaning. Yeah, yeah, it's an insulting w word. Yeah, I got interview uh, from a Bulgarian uh, old man. He told me sometimes senior shout the junior to ordering something. Uh -huh. Sakia. Huh. <laughs> yeah, very. It was very interesting for me. Yeah. And were you surprised that some of the local friends could still remember some Korean songs? Uh -huh. There was interesting things also. I found six classmates and teachers. Yep. Suddenly, one man sang a song during the interview. I didn't know that. I didn't know the song. It's a, it was the first time to hear. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Later, I got to know the yep. song was the anthem of Kim Il-sung. Wow. Yeah, a song in praise of Kim Il-sung. It was composed in 1947. In 1947. Yeah. Yeah. That was very important moment how the North Korean children to live in there. European classmates could remember the song in Korea. They sang a song in Korean language. Wow. Even though they could not speak in Korean. If they could sing, sing the song in Korean, we could know how much the, the North Korean children sang the song. Yeah, they must have sung it very often. Yeah, it's, it's like a rain, rain, rain washing, I think. Yeah, so after coming back to Seoul, I've been researching the song. I've, already, I, I've heard of it from North Korean refugee. Ah, yes. They, still, some... they still sing the same song, don't they? Yeah, 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 exactly. That was a very famous song in North Korea, even now. Yeah. Even now, yeah. Yeah, the song I of mean... General Kim Il-sung. I think people can find it on YouTube. Yeah, 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 you can find it on YouTube. Yeah, of course, there is a national anthem for North Korean people. Right. But a real national anthem of North Korea is the anthem of Kim Il-sung. Uh -huh. The song is very important. They love to sing the song even now, yeah. Okay, so uh, while these 5,000 orphans from North Korea were living in Eastern Europe, what kind of education did they get? Were they fully integrated into the local schools or did they attend their own special schools? In the beginning of their stay, they started separate classroom because the North Korean children couldn't speak in foreign language. However, the time passed, go on, they started in the same class. Uh -huh. Yeah, it means uh, integrated education was started because they could speak in a foreign language very well. Yeah, so that was the moment, I think that was the moment uh, that the North Korean and European children shared their feelings each other, I think. From the moment, friendship and love could happen in their life, I think, yeah. Right. Yeah, young young children can pick up a foreign language very quickly, especially when they are surrounded sure, by sure, local people. Sure, yeah, definitely, yeah. So you say, so in the beginning there were special schools, like a kind of a Kim Il-sung school in, in Romania and in Bulgaria, but then later they attended local schools with the local children. Yes, exactly. Now, in Hungary, uh, there were some North Koreans who participated in the 1956 counter-revolution, weren't there? Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about that? Okay, 1956, October, there was a civil revolution in Budapest, Hungary, against the Soviet Union. After Stalin's death, 1953, a successor, Nikita Khrushchev, criticized Stalin's dictatorship. Mm. There was a big change in Eastern Bloc. Hungarian revolution sparked a movement for revolution in Eastern Europe. 
Some of North Korean children joined the revolution, escaped from orphanages, and some of the children tried to exile to the Western countries. In May of 1957, North Korea, there was an example. In uh, 1957 May, the North Korean Korean embassy Mm. received an emergency telegram from the Polish, Polish intelligence. It said, Two North Korean students were cut at the border of the checkpoint. Oh. They were they were trying to flee to Austria by train. Two students were immediately arrested by North Korean intelligence agents and finally were sent back to North Korea. Do there we know was, how old those children were? Maybe uh, uh, fifteen, but I, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. L- l- just the name. Yeah, mm. I got the name and uh, the the the. Event, I think so. There is a still document recorded the events of two students in Poland. They wrote their home address on the document. There was a Fakovice. Fakovice, it was the place which, which North Korean orphans lived. So there was, uh, how can I say, it's, uh, two North Korean uh, students probably were. North Korean orphans, I think, yeah. And and you say they were caught in Poland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you describe uh, what kind of social controls the North Korean children experienced in in Europe? Did the mm-hmm. North Korean teachers try to enforce discipline in a North Korean style? Yeah, it was very interesting. Uh, it was very forcible. The teachers dispatched from North Korea yeah. taught Korean history and Korean language and a law. They believed that uh, the children had to not to forget their identities, I think. So in the class, there was a leader, like a captain, among 10 children. Ten children. They checked each other, and the North Korean teachers also were uh, supervised them, supervised the children every day, how to educate and uh, how to think. I found common uh, activities in in the five countries, that was a morning assembly. Morning assembly, yeah. It, it was very interesting. The children had to uh, wake up at the same time. It was the 6.30 a.m. Can you can you imagine? All, all of every North Korean children wake, had to wake up at the same time, 6.30 a.m. <laughs> and, then, and then they uh, salute the North Korean national flag. With the face of Kim Il-sung. With the face of Kim Il-sung. Do you understand? Yeah. Yeah. So even though they're in Bulgaria, Romania, Hungary, Poland, they're still saluting the North Korean flag and Kim Il-sung's face. Yes, North Korean flag with the face of Kim Il-sung. On the flag. On the the flag. I never found it in in, in the uh, history of the world. It was very unique things. Finally, uh, the the children sang a song, Kim Il-sung anthem. Oh yes, as, as I mentioned already, yeah. So you point out that they were, uh, the teachers were very uh, worried that the North Korean children did not lose their identity; that they wanted to maintain uh, loyalty and uh, discipline exactly, uh, exactly. towards yeah. North Korea. Yeah, exactly. I think that is that was the evidence to, to be proved the 
Kim Il-sung's idolization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, after 1956, Kim Il-sung recalled these children back mm-hmm. to North Korea. And why, why do you think it was important for Kim Il-sung to do that? Why did he decide to recall the children back to North Korea? In 1956, there was a turning point, I think. At the time, June 1956, Kim Il-sung visited five Eastern European countries which was the same place as North Korean children stayed. It was a kind of uh, official visiting to express thank you to the countries. During his visiting, uh, Kim Il-sung visitings, Kim Il-sung vis- uh, received intelligence from Pyongyang. It was a, a coup d'etat to drive him out of power. Yeah, so it's, it's a like, kind of anti-Kim Il-sung coup d'etat. It, it gave him very big shock. Yet there was a big political conflict between uh, three factions in North Korea. The pro-Chinese, pro-Soviet faction tried to expel Kim Il-sung from the leadership. So Kim Il-sung wanted to take independent policy against the Soviet and China. From the point, Kim Il-sung led his country by his own way, by his book. Over, yeah, so 5,000 intelligent children coming back to North Korea probably they become anti-Kim Il-sung movement. So that's why Kim Il-sung recalled the children suddenly back to North Korea. And also, one more thing that, that was very important, they were uh, scattered throughout local area in small group past the border of Chinese and North Korea. They had to live separate into different places. So yeah. you mean when the orphans returned to North Korea, they didn't all go to Pyongyang, they didn't all go to the same city, but they were sent no. in small groups here and there. Yes, exactly. For for working uh, minor or factory, yes. Oh, yes. Was Kim Il-sung worried that the children would become too westernized? Yes, they were very well educated. Especially the idea of freedom was the important issue to the children. I believe that if the children took a key role in development of North Korea at that time, the situation would not seem this time. I would be very different thing, uh, different became here, become now, yeah, I think, yeah. How did the children go back to North Korea from Europe? Did they go by train or by airplane? Yeah, they returned back by train, no, mostly. Yeah. That's a long journey. If you are starting from Bulgaria or Romania, yeah, that's a long yeah, yeah. way, maybe two weeks to, uh, yeah, to North yeah. Korea. It was called the Siberian Express. It took almost 10 days. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, it was very tough. Some children slept on the floor, yeah. not in the city. Yeah, very tough. Uh, which country was the last one to send the orphans back to North Korea? Uh, I have no exact uh, information about that, but their repatriation was taking a time from 1956 to 1959. Yeah, yeah they went. They went back in group. Yes, groups. Yeah. Uh huh. So in 1959, that was three years after Kim Il-sung's visit. So it, it, exactly. it takes some long time to, to get exactly. back there. Exactly. Uh, now, South Korea also had war orphans who were sent out to other countries, mostly to the United States and Europe. Uh, but those orphans were adopted by local families and never came back to Korea. Can you talk about the differences between the North Korean and the South Korean treatment of war orphans? Why were they so different? South Korea chose 
to handle war orphans by international adoption that was uh, literally moved to other countries and other families when the children were very little. Some of the adoptees was happy, but also others was, I think, uh, miserable. Uh, in Korean media, in Korean media, they show the only the positive cases on TV, but many adoptees did not well adopted, especially they had difficulties in identity. I'm a American or I'm a Korean. Yeah, it's like a problem of identity. I think that adoption is not the best way to take care of the orphans. And also South Korea government have to handle this, this problem aspect of the social welfare now, yeah, I think. But but North Korea, it was a, a very temporary uh, procedure. Yes. After the North Korean children turn, returned to North Korea, were they able to communicate with their former classmates and teachers in Eastern Europe? They could exchange the letters with the European peoples. But since 1959, their communication has been blocking by North Korea government. There, there was several reasons for stopping. Main reason was related to the letter, letter itself. Because in the letter, children wrote about things they needed, like clothes, uh, even diary, pencil. Yeah, they, they wrote about they needed. So North Korea government felt humiliation, and they did not want to open their bad economical situation, I think. Right. So the uh, the children were writing to their friends in Eastern Europe, please, can you send me a pencil or please, can you send me a diary or please, can you send me some clothes? Yes, exactly. Uh, now, each of these countries uh, had embassies in Pyongyang and some of them mm -hmm. still do. Did the embassies play any role in maintaining contact between the children and their friends and teachers? As far as I know, there was not any activities in Pyongyang, but uh, only Polish embassy tried to find the children in 1950s. I, I found a document which was written by Polish ambassador in Pyongyang. Yeah. He recorded that he met one guy in the street. Oh. By, by chance, the North Korean guy went to the ambassador suddenly and then asking for talking in Polish language. Yeah, in Polish. Yeah, yeah. he said, may I talk with you in Polish? Uh -huh. In Polish, yeah. And continuously he said, I'm very eager to speak in Polish language. But there was not much chance to do. So, well, he was very surprised for uh, ambassador, Polish ambassador. After saying, he ran away from the street. So the ambassador was surprised of him and tried to take him, but he could not. Yeah, so the Polish ambassador convinced that the North Korean guy was an orphan who spent in time in Poland. Yeah. So there were certainly there were some North Korean uh, children who missed their friends in Eastern Europe, and we know that the friends in Eastern Europe missed their friends in North Korea, but they were unable to communicate with each other. Yes, exactly. Um, now tell us about the student named Won Duchon. What do you know about his story? He's mentioned in the film. Yeah, Won Duncheon was stayed in Bakovice, Poland. He was a very smart guy, but he was considered a troublemaker 
Mm-hmm. He would skip the class and roam around. On 1956, around 10 or 10 to 20 children were sent back to North Korea because of ill and also suffering from depression. Won Dun-chon was sent back with, the, with that group, even, even though he, he, he was very uh, normal. He was not ill. Oh, and then back to uh, North Korea. He was trying to escape from North Korea, but it was impossible to move from North Korea to Poland as a small boy without money, without transportation. Finally, he decided to run across the border by walking. He ran to he ran across the border. Gosh, into yeah. China. Yeah, he believed that he could arrive in. Yeah, he. He believed that, yeah, he could arrive in Poland. He thought he could walk day, all walking, the way to Poland. Yeah, yeah, day by day, working continuously, they finally arrived in Poland. Wow, it's, I think it was a very sad story. Mm. Yeah, and also it was very most shocking for me. Yeah. yeah. And so did they catch him? Did the North Koreans catch him? I think he died in uh, near border of uh, China and uh, Mongolia. Oh, that's yeah. very sad. Yeah, yeah, so sad. In the, in, uh, one Dun-chon died falling into a swamp. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably he died, uh, how can I say, uh, hunger? Yeah. Uh, he yeah. starved to death, so that's very sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, what traces did these children leave behind in their temporary Eastern European homes by which the local people are able to remember them? Uh, I don't remember if it's in Bulgaria or in Romania but, uh, or in Poland, but somewhere you found a, uh, a kind of uh, a, a historical marker showing this is the place where the Kim Il-sung uh, Children's School used to stand. And yes. some children wrote their names on that, uh, on that marker. Where was that? It's, it, it was Poland. Poland. It's a national, national secondary school in Poland, yeah. On the wall of the school, yeah. Right. Now let's talk about romance and marriage. Um, some of the North Korean teachers who were dispatched to Eastern Europe, uh, mostly men, fell in love with local people, mostly women. How many Eastern European men and women married North Koreans in the 1950s? I found about 10 cases. Hmm. Uh, the, one of the most impressive cases was related to Romanian old woman, as I mentioned already. At that time, the marriage between Romanian and the North Korean was illegal. They didn't want to marry foreign people on each other, each side. The children and the teachers lived almost 80 years in Europe, very long time. It was uh, natural things. In Romania, Jerusalem, Tamir Choyu, and Jo jong had such a lot of difficulty to marry, but they finally married. After the end of 1950s, the couple of European women married the North Korean men had to choose living or staying. So the, the Eastern European wives had to leave and go to North Korea? Yes. They or had to, they had to stay alone in their own country and the husband would leave? Yeah, it's very difficult things. Most of them want, went to North Korea with husband mm. and they stayed a couple of years in Pyongyang. They got to be faced anti-foreign sentiment. That was very important things. They got to be faced anti anti foreign sentiment. They did not take any financial support. Yeah, something like that. So besides a bad living condition, their husband moved to local area. Some of them was faced to changing their job. For example, Jo Jong-ho was a 
principal of the North Korean children's school in, in Romania. But returned back to North Korea, he became a minor or working class. So, yeah. In the countryside. Yes. The old woman didn't take any financial support from husband and from government. European woman could not stay longer in Pyongyang. Anyway, they still have a now still dream to meet again their yeah. husband, even though it, it is impossible impossible as long as they live. Uh, it's very sad. So eventually, you mean all of the, the wives who followed their husbands to North Korea, all of them left North Korea and returned to their home countries? Their husband never uh, returned to, how can I say, it's Poland, Bulgaria, Romania. Yeah. Right, but the wives all returned to, uh, yes, to their yeah, original wives, countries. Yeah, they their couldn't wives stay. Returned, to, returned to their countries. And some of them had children by mixed marriages to these North Korean uh, men. Uh, what happened to the children? Did these children usually stay in North Korea with their fathers, or did they go to Eastern Europe with their mothers? Staying in Eastern Europe, not in the Pyongyang, not in North Korea. Yeah, so they never saw their fathers again. They never saw them. They yeah. never saw their fathers. Yeah. Wow. Now, you finished your film by having the Eastern Europeans record a message for their long-lost Korean friends. Why did you choose to end the film in that way? I believe that North Korean people can have a chance to watch my movie. If they do that, the message, their message will be helpful to reunite them, each other. So many uh, DVD could get inside North Korea. So you, you hope that your film will be smuggled into North Korea, maybe on a yes, USB exactly. stick or a DVD or something? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's possible to watch my movie in North Korea. I think, as I mentioned, it, the message from European people, European teachers and uh, children, uh, friends, will be helpful to re re reunite it. I found the record of school in, in each country. There were full names including address and father's occupation. Oh, right. Yeah, it's very interesting. So you have a, a complete listing of, of all the 5,000 yes. students, their names and their addresses yes. and everything. Yeah, yeah th those were very in detail, I think. Yeah, If we try to find them, we could find them, I think. The message from European friends and teachers was the most touching moment for me. Yeah, it was a very touching moment at, at, at the scene at the end of the film. Are you planning to make any more films with a North Korean topic? Yeah, maybe I will handle South Korean World War for next time, I think. Ah. I'm thinking about that, yeah, now. For the time being, I have to focus on this distribution, my movie. And I, I know that you're trying to sell your uh, film distribution to Netflix. So if anybody uh, who is listening to this podcast uh, works for Netflix and would be interested in getting this film uh, shown on Netflix, do please write to us at yeah, pod yeah, podcast yeah. at North Korea. Yeah, please, please. Uh, yeah, please, yeah. Uh, can, I, can I say one more? Sure. Yeah. yeah, please. I think that this movie, this movie is neither commercial movie nor big budget movie. I did not take any financial support from any organization. Oh wow! So you filmed, you you funded this completely independently. Yes, it's it's an independent movie. One man trying to find the reality in the historical forest for fifteen years. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, so. I hope this movie will be helpful to understand real North Korea. If we want to watch the tree in reality, 
but also we need to watch whole area of the forest. And believe, I believe that this movie will be helpful to understand it and helpful to watch the whole area of the forest. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It, it's certainly it is a very good film. You've congratulations. You've made a great product, uh, and it's a very important historical document. I do recommend to our listeners to uh, do what you can to try to watch this film. There is a short uh, trailer on YouTube. You can go onto YouTube and look for Kim Il-sung's children movie trailer. Uh, and in fact, we will uh, share that link on the uh, the website of uh, nknews.org uh, with this podcast. So you can go straight there and have a look at that. Uh, so- I, I appreciate it, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I would like to support uh, your uh, endeavors as much as, as we can here. I think it's a great film. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you once again for joining me today, Yong Kim, and good luck. Thank you. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and also consider buying a subscription to nknews.org where you will find the best and most up-to-date specialist journalism on all matters related to North Korea. As always, our thanks go to James Fretwell and Chad O'Carroll for facilitating this podcast and to Arias Dare, our post-recording producer genius who cuts out all the extra noises, awkward silences, bodily functions, etc. Costs involved in the production of this podcast were partially funded by the Uni Korea Fund for which we are extremely grateful. Mm-hmm.